Our last lesson today and our, our lesson for our sermon is our gospel lesson from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 21. Please stand as we hear Jesus' words in our gospel lesson. Jesus says, What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. And the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. This is God's word. You may be seated. Friends of Jesus, I want you to finish a sentence for me. I'm going to leave one word off at the end of a sentence. I want you to finish it for me. Are you ready? The Christian church is full of... I was hoping you'd say something really nice. You know, like the Christian church is full of wonderful people. Or the Christian church is full of really great pastors. I'm a little surprised that wasn't the first thing that came to your mind. But I think you're right. I'm afraid that a lot of people, when they hear that phrase and finish it in it, they wouldn't actually say something good. In fact, I've heard a lot of people finish it like this. The Christian church is full of, you, you said sinners. What, what people will often put there instead is hypocrites. You heard that before? Maybe one of the, the top reasons that people who don't go to church give for not going to church. The Christian church is full of hypocrites. So we should ask, what does that mean? Well, a simple definition is a hypocrite is someone who says one thing and does something else. So if a politician says she's all concerned about the environment and then she flies everywhere in a private jet, you can say she's a hypocrite. If a father tells his children not to say bad words, and then the father always says bad words, you could say he's a, he's a hypocrite. If a Christian claims to follow Jesus, and yet that Christian is just as greedy, just as hateful, just as crude as everybody else, you call that Christian a hypocrite. You know, for, for honest, it's, it's really easy to be a hypocrite. And that's a problem because there is someone who is very concerned about hypocrisy. That's Jesus. Jesus was very concerned about hypocrisy. Just in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus uses the word hypocrites 12 times. 12 times. He's almost always talking about the most religious people around, the, the leaders of the Jews, the chief priests and the, the elders, the teachers of the law, when you listen to Jesus talk, you realize that it's especially easy for religious people to be hypocrites. And Jesus can't stand that. Jesus can't stand it when, when people make a big outward show and then they're mean to other people. 
You just can't stand it when people claim to follow God and their lives show the opposite. Jesus can't stand it when people know how to make themselves look good on the outside, but not on the inside. It's especially easy for religious people to be hypocrites. And Jesus gets bothered by hypocrisy. And so he told another parable. We had a parable last week. We're going to have parables for the next few weeks in our sermons. He tells another story to teach us about God's kingdom. And this parable goes like this. There was a, a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. And you kind of say, well, wow, those are some strong words. Right? Especially in Jesus' day. In the ancient world, your family was the most important thing in the ancient world, obedience to your father was absolutely necessary. The worst thing that a son could possibly do would be to say to his father, I will not. Yeah, that's what the son does. Except, later, he changed his mind and went. Sometime later, something changed his mind and he went out and he worked in the vineyard. And that father went to the other son and he said the same thing. Son, go and work today in the vineyard. And that son answered, I will, sir. And the second son knew just the right words to say. Right? When your father commands you to do something, what's always the right answer? I will, sir, right? But he did not go. Jesus said, he, he did not go. He, he knew the right thing to say, and he probably said it with a smile on his face. Yes, I will, sir. But then he did nothing at all. And that's the parable. One son says to his father, no, and then yes. And the other son says to his father, yes, and then no. And then Jesus turned to those religious people. They were the ones he was talking to, to the, the, the scribes, the, the teachers of the law, and the elders of the people. And he said, which of the two did what his father wanted? And they had to admit, the first. True obedience isn't just saying the right thing. It's saying and doing. And of course, it's not hard to see how this connects to our lives as, as Christians. If you just give lip service to God, if you just say things about your relationship with God, but your life shows a different story, you're, you're not obeying God. You and I are being hypocrites. This parable is a, is a stark warning against lukewarm Christianity. You know what I mean when I say that? Lukewarm Christianity, just walking, the, saying the talk, oof, talking the talk, but not walking the walk. The reality is that if people look at the Christian church and say that the Christian church is full of hypocrites, often they're right. How often does what we say not match up with what we do? Jesus wanted those religious people of his day, those teachers of the law and elders, he wanted them to know that he was talking especially to them. He said, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. It's always nice when Jesus explains clearly what his parable is talking about. That first son in the story who says no, but then yes, whom was Jesus talking about? The tax collectors and the prostitutes. In other words, the most sinful people around. 
The tax collectors and prostitutes had said no to God again and again. Their whole lifestyle had cried out no to God over and over again, but they repented. They changed. They heard John the Baptist preach, and they heard Jesus preach, and God's word changed their hearts and changed their lives. And Jesus said, those people, the tax collectors and prostitutes, they were part of the kingdom of God. But what about those religious people? The teachers of the law, the elders. Jesus said to them, John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did, and, and even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe. Those religious leaders, they were like the second son in the story. In a big outward way, they said yes to God. They, in a big outward way, made it seem like they were the ones who wanted to do what was right. But when John the Baptist preached repentance, they refused to acknowledge their sin. They refused to believe that they needed a Savior. They were hypocrites. And hypocrisy bothers Jesus. That's why he said, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. He was saying to those most religious people, you know the people you look down on because you think they're so sinful, right now they're in the kingdom of God, and right now you're not. So we shall be like that first son, right? Do you notice that Jesus doesn't actually say that? He doesn't end the parable by saying, so go out there and, and do the right thing like that first son set, did. Because of the two sons, which of them actually did everything that their father wanted? Neither of them did. That first son said no to his father. Remember how we said that was the, the worst, the most sinful thing you could do in an ancient culture? That, that first son didn't do everything that his father wanted and Second son, that's easy to see. He said yes, but he didn't follow through. Which of the two sons was sinful? Both of them were. Both of the sons were sinful. And so which of the sons was actually the, the good son? The third son was. The third son was actually the good son. And I used to say, Pastor, there's only two sons. Right? Are we reading the same parable as you are? There's only two sons in the parable, except there's actually a third son. The third son is the one who's, who's telling the parable. Who's that? Jesus. The first son said this blatant no to his father's command. The second son said yes, but he didn't follow through. The, the good son who actually did everything his father asked was, was the third son. It's Jesus. God the Father told Jesus to come into our world and save us. And what did Jesus say? Yes. He said yes. And then what did Jesus do? He actually did it. He actually came into our world. And throughout his life on earth, Jesus, in every moment of every day, he said yes to his Father's commands. He did everything. The first son, he said no, then yes. The second son said yes, and then no. Jesus said, yes, and then, yes, he was the perfect son. As the perfect son of God, Jesus took all of our no's with him to the cross, and he died on the cross to forgive us. 
And then Jesus took all of the righteousness, all of the perfection that he had earned by saying yes to God over and over again. And he gives his righteousness to all who believe in him. This is what the perfect son did. The perfect son lived a perfect life. And he gives us God's righteousness to all who repent and believe in him. If you really listen to this parable, this is what Jesus is talking about. He doesn't say, the first son did the right thing, you go out and do the right thing too. Notice what he says. He says, John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. What was the thing that set those tax collectors and prostitutes apart from the teachers of the law and the others? They believed. Do you hear that? They believed. That's what made them different. When John the Baptist preached, they believed him. And so you should ask, well, what did John the Baptist preach? Jesus says, John came to show you the way of righteousness. How did John the Baptist show people the way of righteousness? They pointed people to Jesus. When, Jesus, when John pointed to Jesus, do you remember what John said? He said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the way of righteousness is found through Jesus. Because like we said, both of those sons needed God's forgiveness. Everybody needs God's forgiveness. The prostitutes and tax collectors needed God's forgiveness. The teachers of the law and the elders needed God's forgiveness. And so when John pointed to Jesus, the others and the teachers of the law, they got angry. But when John pointed to Jesus, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they repented and they believed. And this is exactly what God wants. Jesus, in a different place in the New Testament, he put it like this. He said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. It's John 6, verse 29. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. I bet some of you today are kind of like that first son. I bet some of you today look at your life and you realize you've been saying no to God an awful lot. When you hear God's command in your life, you've been saying to him, no, God, I don't want to do that. No, God, I'm not going to do that. You've been saying no. And Jesus today is calling you to, to repent and to believe in him. On the other hand, I, I bet some of us today are a lot like that second son. Some of us have gotten really good at saying the right things. We're really good at making sure we do the, the right things on the outside, but not on the inside. Not when we go out and live our lives in the world. And Jesus is calling us to repent, and to believe in Him. For those times in your life when you've been a tax collector or a prostitute, repent and believe in Jesus. For those times in your life when you've been a hypocrite and a Pharisee, Repent and believe in Jesus. You see, saying and, and doing the right thing, it only comes from Jesus. Sometimes people get the impression that we need to say and do the right things to get closer to Jesus. Do you see how that's backwards? 
The way it works is that you need to get closer to Jesus so that you're able to say and do the right things. You see the difference? Jesus took all of our no's with him to the cross and he died for us and it's Jesus' yes for us that leads us to say yes to God's commands. Jesus took all of our hypocrisy to the cross and he died for us and it's Jesus' yes for us that leads us to say yes to God's commands. It's Christ's love that compels us to put our faith into action. It's Christ's love that motivates us to obey God's commands. It's Christ's yes that leads us to say yes to God. God tells us to forgive. And when you see how Jesus has forgiven you for everything, what does that lead you to do? Forgive. God commands us to to be patient. When you see how patient God is with you and me, despite all of our sins, what does that lead us to do? Be patient. God commands couples to, to be faithful to each other. And when you see how faithful that God has been to us, no matter what what we've done to him, what does that lead us to do? Be faithful. The Bible tells Christians to be generous. And we look at how God has poured out on us blessing after blessing. What does that lead us to do? Be generous. God commands you and me not to lie. And when we see how God has kept every single one of his promises to us, what does it lead us to do? Not lie. Jesus calls on his people to repent. And when we see Jesus promise that those who repent receive eternal life in heaven, what does that lead us to do? To repent. So let's come back to this this sentence. The Christian church is full of. How should we finish that? How should we feel that you could say the Christian church is full of tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners? You could say that the Christian church is full of Pharisees and hypocrites and teachers of the law, and both be true, right? But that's focusing on the wrong thing. If someone looks at a Christian church and says, the Christian church is full of hypocrites, they're, they're focusing on the wrong thing. If someone looks at a Christian church and says that Christian church is full of really good people, they're focusing on the wrong thing. Do you know what a true Christian church is full of? Jesus. The Christian church is full of Jesus. Come here for Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you're going to say and do what Jesus commands. It's Jesus who changes us. The, the church is filled with Jesus. Amen. Let's say a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, when, when you looked around in, in the world of your day, you saw two different groups of people, both of whom needed you to save them. On one side, you saw people who were living a a sinful lifestyle over and over again. They were saying no to you and your commands. On the other side, you saw people who, though outwardly good, were on the inside hypocrites. They were saying one thing and doing another. And to Jesus, you came for for both of them. 
You took all of our nose and all of our hypocrisy to the cross. You died for, for our sins and it's your love for us that compels us to live for you. Dear Jesus, may our church be, be filled with you, with your grace and your forgiveness. And dear Jesus, as you fill us with that grace and forgiveness and lead us to be people who not just say that we believe in you, but who show that faith by obeying what you say. May we not just hear your word, but may we put it into action in our lives. To you be the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.